You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 762 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on a Wednesday evening. And today's show is brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar, the best tasting bar in the business. And remember to use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off on your first box of Built Bars. Today's podcast will cover two main topics. The second half of the show will be spent on a mailbag question that produced what I thought was a pretty interesting NBA draft hypothetical. But before we get to that, there is some new stuff to talk about on the NBA's restart plan. Travis Schlenk, Hawks president of basketball operations and general manager, did speak to both Chris Kirscher of The Athletic and Adrian Wojnarowski of the uh, of ESPN after about uh, sort of about, about the how, how the Hawks are approaching things in the uh, in the meantime and just kind of how they feel about the uh, restart, et cetera, et cetera. He was upbeat, Schlenk was, in both instances, citing the value of a restart for the Hawks even if it's just for a handful of games, which is obviously what's going to be potentially on the table for Atlanta. Um, Schlenk sort of referenced the fact that the Hawks are talking about being a young team and the chance to evaluate players like Clint Capella or Scalabissier could be uh, potentially interesting for the Hawks. Um, For me, though, this is my analysis, not what he was saying. Um, I see kind of less value in that, frankly. I would not have Clint Capella, for instance, anywhere near the bubble because of his injury stuff. I think it's just kind of just safer to not have him play in the short term. The risk sort of outweighs the reward for me on that one, but it certainly could be useful for young guys, especially to have a couple of weeks of practice, especially. It's not really necessarily about the games. The games are useful for evaluation purposes, but for the young guys and you know, even for guys like, like Scalabissier, it could be interesting just to have more practice time and some good reps together and the training camp settings, et cetera, et cetera. But the real news is not really Hawks-specific, although it definitely has an impact on the Hawks. There's not been a wholesale change necessarily, but from a full league perspective, a lot of the talk continues to be on the various options that are available for the NBA's restart. Um, I did a show Monday, if you missed that podcast, it was just me for about a half hour talking about all of the reporting that happened over Memorial Day weekend. Um, since then, though, a couple of developments that have uh, that are worth touching on here Tuesday – um, Woj and Zach Lowe did a couple of podcasts, and Woj said, and I'm quoting on the podcast, he said, The idea of 30 teams over the last several days feels a little bit more like a long shot than it did maybe even a week ago, end quote. And on Wednesday, Wojnarowski wrote, and I'm, I'm going to quote him again here, quote, The NBA has yet to formally rule out the idea, but teams have become increasingly skeptical of the league bringing back all 30 teams to complete the season, end quote. Now, take that for what it's worth. Uh, but no one is closing the door on it just yet, um, and there are stuff. Um, there's definitely reporting across the board from the national guys that is not necessarily encouraging when it comes to the Hawks playing again this season. Um, there has been a lot of talk about a 20-team format that would have the eight teams from the East and 12 from the West, um, bringing in the Pelicans, Blazers, Spurs, and Kings for some kind of play-in tournament for the uh, seven and eight seeds in the West. That was in the Woj reporting on Wednesday, and was also the prediction. Um, this is important to note, prediction not reporting here from Mark Stein of the New York Times. And then after that, Sam Amick of the, of the Athletics said, and I'm quoting here now, quote, the focus of the NBA's Tuesday call with, with team presence was on a 20-team scenario in the playoffs, end quote. And from there, he added that, quote, momentum seems to be going against a 30-team approach, end quote. So, in short, 
Uh, all of the national sources that I have seen or heard have not ruled out 30 teams, but they, they seem to all be in agreement that 30 teams is not the likely scenario at this point in time. And, um, you know, the Hawks need 30 teams or they're not going to be there. Um, and we'll see how they react if they're not invited or uh, you know, brought, however you want to put that, to the bubble. But if they were to go to 24 teams, the Hawks will not be part of that 24. They have to have 30 or the Hawks will not be involved. Um, elsewhere on that front, it also appears that Disney World itself will be reopening beginning on July 11th in some way, which could be interesting for the NBA to keep its bubble um, status um, kept up there. But it is definitely a massive property. And this was always in the cards. That's important to note. You know, Disney, Disney did not just spring this announcement on the NBA. The NBA was fully aware of Disney opening. Um, they, this is not a huge surprise to them. So the dynamics were kind of already in play there. And as people have already noted multiple times, um, the wide world of sports is kind of separated. There's plenty of room. And I wouldn't worry too much about that and the impact of the NBA's restart plans. Also, Woj reported on Wednesday, along with Ramona Shelburne, that discussions are happening to allow a limited number of family members in Orlando, but that centers on the timing of things, which also mean it could it could be waiting until the bubble clears a little bit when some teams have lost and left the bubble before they start bringing in family members, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I will keep up sort of the updates here, and uh, plans will keep flying fast and furious, but everything's rolling down the hill a little bit towards Friday's call with the Board of Governors. It is important to note, though, there, there, is, there is some reporting from ESPN out there that Wednesdays, um, at least as of today, that there isn't necessarily an expectation that the decision will be finalized on Friday with that call, but it will certainly be a pivotal thing in the discussion. And when you get all the owners on a call, that will be uh, important to uh, sort of monitor. And I'm, expect- I'm expecting some news to come out of that, to be sure. Okay, that's enough for it right now. Um, there's nothing certain, but we'll come back to that if we need to later on in the week or in... Th- it's a next week on all of the uh, machinations happening on the league side and how they how they influence the Hawks. Before we get to the uh, mailbag question that I thought was uh, pretty interesting that we'll dive into later on in the podcast, a word from the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best team, the best tasting protein bar ever, and there are almost endless reasons to love Built Bar. In addition to the incredible taste, Built Bar is perfect for anyone that is trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in something that tastes absolutely delicious. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, but even with that, it is low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. The bars are also soft and easy to chew. My personal favorite is the banana nut bread flavor, as I've said before on the podcast, but there are many, many more that I really, really enjoy that I have tried so far. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors to choose from. They all present their own appeal that everyone can fall in love with if they just give it a shot. I would fully recommend Built Bar in order to check things out for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It is a perfect day to try Built Bar. All right, we'll finish the podcast with a question that I got from a listener named Lance. So thanks for the question, Lance. And keep the questions coming, by the way. If you have podcast questions, either send them to me on Twitter at BT Rolling or the show at LockedOnHawks or on email at LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. Check us out and fire away. Uh, this is the one that I chose for today, and it was sort of a longer answer, so I'm going to use it for a whole segment. So here we go. Um, Lance says, if Atlanta landed the number three overall pick, who would you select if both LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards were already off the board? And as a caveat, you can't trade down. So I know Lance is a listener already because he knows my first answer would be 
that to try to trade down, <laughs> which is kind of funny. So shots to Lance for seeing that coming. Um, uh, by the way, I also stand by that. And even if the Hawks couldn't find a suitable uh, offer, they could ex- at least explore and they absolutely should explore options to trade down from any of those spots at the top, in my opinion, this year. Anyway, um, I think my answer at this moment is still, I don't know, in terms of, of a broad stance. I don't have a firm, like, pound-the-table opinion on this. If the Hawks got the third pick, we will definitely talk about that quite a bit. But there are definitely, I would say there's two options that I would have above the rest here and a few more that I could at least, that I could at least try to make a case for. So we'll start, we'll start with the two options that I have um, in terms of who I would really consider with this pick, and they are Killian Hayes and Onyeka Akongwu, which is hard to, which is hard to pronounce. We'll start with Hayes. Um, I have to dig him a little bit in terms of fit in Atlanta because much like Lamella Ball, I think it would be a lot harder for Hayes to reach his own sort of personal ceiling playing alongside Trey Young and not being the primary option. I think Hayes is a point guard first, and if you're drafting him at the top, you would ideally want to have him if you're not the Hawks, for instance, if you're a team that wanted to have a lead guard like Detroit, for instance, you would love to have him in that point guard spot being your primary initiator. With that said, I do think, and I'm pretty darn confident about his defensive translation in this, I think he can function off the ball. He's a legitimate 6'5". I think, I think he's going to shoot it. Um, the shooting is definitely a question. If you don't believe in it, then you would not love this at all. I imagine that. Um, I think defensively, he's a good off-ball play already. I think he'll be good on the on that end of the floor. Not like a game-changer necessarily, but certainly good enough to uh, function alongside Troy Young. And I think the Hawks are... Definitely in the market, um, maybe not immediately. It's not a huge priority at, at the moment, but at the same time, I think at the highest levels of the league, they're going to need a guy who can run the offense and be a legitimate number one kind of creator type when Trey Young leaves the floor um, and also play alongside him, which I think would be uh, the best possible scenario for Hayes. So we'll talk about Hayes quite a bit in depth. That's sort of a broad overview of his game. Uh, people that I trust have him as high as number one or number two. I would certainly have him in consideration for number two alongside Anthony Edwards. And I think um, Killian Hayes is a really good prospect. I think you have to downgrade him a little bit, just a little bit alongside Trey Young in Atlanta, which is not either guy's fault. Um, the fit could work, but I do think that Hayes, ultimately, if you were trying to just put him in the best possible place for him, it would be as a lead guard. So having Trey Young, not great for him, but I think Hayes' size and versatility could open up a little bit of that for him. Um, the other guy, as I mentioned before, is uh, Akongwu out of USC. Um, he is, of course, a big man. And on one hand, um, I have repeatedly said on the podcast that the only player on the roster that the Hawks absolutely have to consider for fit reasons is Trey Young. And in a vacuum, Okongwu would be a great fit with Trey Young. On the other hand, the Hawks just invested a pretty good draft pick in Clint Capella via trade, and he's under contract making a pretty good chunk of money for three more seasons. And beyond that, the Hawks also have John Collins, of course, who's a uh, hybrid big man, but play the play the four and the five. I do think they, I do think though that it's important to point out that Kongwu and Collins would be a great fit together in my opinion. Um, I think ideally those guys would be playing together at the four and the five a lot. And the Hawks do have do have Dwayne Dedman on the roster, but while Dedman can and I think will help them um, next season, he shouldn't be a part of the calculation when talking about a draft pick for this year. He's only under under contract for one more season. And Dedman, just, you know, he's definitely a role player. I like him, but not someone you have to worry about a whole lot in terms of not picking a guy. So. There is definitely an argument for a three-headed big man monster of Collins, Okongwu, and Capella. Good friend of the show, Tyler Jones, who's been on the show a lot, of course. We all love Tyler. He made that um, 
that argument before on Twitter and to me offline, and I think I agree with it. There's definitely an argument to be had for a Kong Wu and kind of having that that you know nine six minutes of having two bigs on the court that can all play together. A Kong Wu and Capella would not be a great fit together necessarily, and I think um, it's a little bit tough because of that. I think you know it's honestly the most important thing here is that I really like a Kong Wu. I really really like a Kong Wu. He's probably my favorite guy in the whole draft, frankly. That does not mean that I have number one on my, on my board, but I, I really like his game. I think he's pretty safe. In fact, I think he's probably the most safest player in the draft. You could argue for a couple other guys um, on that same level, but I am pretty confident that he's going to be a good, functional NBA player. Um, with that said, the asset play is a little bit of a question at number three overall, especially if you're the Hawks when you already have Collins and Capella on your roster. I think you can't cross him off, and I would not cross a Kongwell because he is pretty versatile. Uh, I I do I kind of would love to see Collins and a Kongwu long term. If the Hawks did not trade for Capella, I would pretty confidently have a Kongwu um, on my Hawks board at maybe as high as two, um, something like that. I think if the Hawks did not already have a center of the future or present with Capella, it'd be a lot it'd be a lot easier to sell this. But even then, I think the versatility of a Kongwu and the fact that he's just a good basketball player keeps the door open for him um, in this spot. Um, Again, we'll talk more about him later on the, on the Bigs podcast that I have coming up with Zach Hood as well as all the way through the draft. But um, for the hypothetical, I wanted to give you at least a brief overview of both of those guys who I would be primarily considering. Now, there are three or four other guys that I want to at least mention um, as possibilities if you want to squint um, at number three overall. And frankly, if you're a Hawks fan, I don't think three is a great place for you to be especially if we're assuming that Ball and Edwards are off the board. I wouldn't necessarily assume that, but if they, that's definitely a possible or maybe even likely outcome that they would be gone. And it's not a great spot value-wise for Atlanta, I don't think, but still, um, obviously you'd rather be higher than lower for trade-down purposes, etc. Um, the other guys I think you have to at least look at, albeit probably briefly in some cases, um, Devin Vassell is a guy I like a lot. I think he checks a lot of boxes. And outside of a Kongwu, he might be the safest guy. Um, in the draft, I think he's going to be good. He's a 3 and D prospect. His defense is really good. Um, I think I'm a little bit lower on, on his upside, though, and that would be ultimately what kind of scared me off at number three overall. I think if you get down in that five, six, seven range, you could start considering him a little bit more. But um, Vassell's good. I like him, but I worry about the upside just a tad, and that would be why I wouldn't take him at number three overall. Um, I am big on Isaac Okoro. Um, I love him. I always have. This definitely feels a little bit high, though, with the shooting concerns. I think he'd be good in Atlanta. I think he would, you know, do a lot of things, check a lot of boxes defensively. I think he's impressive. I think he's actually a little bit underrated now with the ball in his hands. Um, the shooting is the big question, but uh, I think he'll be a good player. I would not love him at three overall in terms of value, but a guy I definitely still like and a local product um, to boot. People are going to bring up De- Denny Avdia for sure. He'd be another guy I want to mention here. I'm a touch lower on Denny. I talked about that recently um, with Zach Hood on the podcast last week on the Forwards podcast. He is the number one forward in terms of like the combo guys for me, but still um, someone I have, a, I have a little bit lower than this. I think people that I trust still have him pretty high, and I understand that. I think he's still really, really interesting. And honestly, there was an interesting video this week that surfaced with Denny shooting, and the shot mechanics looked cleaner and better. I am skeptical always of the empty gym workout videos, but it's a good sign. It can't be a bad sign. Um, you know, the shot mechanics are important there. I think you can't change everything because of that. But uh, even if you bought the shot, honestly, I'm a little bit um, wary of his upside. I do think that he's going to be a solid, useful NBA player with two-way appeal, which is which is very helpful. And at three, if someone took him there, it wouldn't be outrageous by any means. But I probably would not take him three for the Hawks necessarily. 
And the last couple guys I want to mention here as a possibility, this is the guy who was rated the lowest um, in the consensus circles, but Tyrese Maxey, I would at least look at. I wouldn't take him, um, but you know, I like him a lot. I think people that I trust have him as a top five guy. Um, I wouldn't have him quite that high. Um, he is divisive. I would take him. I would not take him at three, but you know, I'd have him ahead of guys like Tyrese Halliburton, for instance, or Obi Toppin um, for the Hawks in this spot. I, again, he it would still not be anywhere in this competition for me at number three overall, but I wanted to at least mention him because I talked about him in the past. And then lastly, the discussion of a Kongwu will almost certainly have people asking me why James Wiseman wouldn't be there if a Kongwu was. Um, candidly, I have a Kongwu higher than Wiseman on my board, which is probably controversial in some circles, but I don't think it should be, honestly. I think um, you could argue that if Wiseman hit his absolute ceiling, I might be higher than Kongwu's, but I think a Kongwu's versatility is pretty important, especially when you're talking about um, the Hawks and the way that they're building their roster and his defensive versatility and the way that I think he's just going to be a modern player in a lot of ways. I do think Wiseman is a guy who's going to go higher on the actual draft than I have him and that most people have him that I've been around um, sort of in this draft Twitter concept. I do think that I am not quite as low on him as some. I'm going to have him probably probably in my top 10 or 11. Um, and that's not going to be high enough to actually get him where you want to go. But for the Hawks, I wouldn't, or probably wouldn't consider Wiseman anywhere that the Hawks could be picking. Um, I guess maybe if you get in a situation where he somehow is still there at seven, if the Hawks land at seven, uh, but even then you probably want to trade it just because someone will be in love with him most likely. And I think the versatility that Okongwu brings, uh, Wiseman doesn't really have. It'd be interesting if the Hawks didn't have their center of the future, but even then for me, Okongwu is ahead of Wiseman. I'm going to believe that. And honestly, that would be for any team, but almost more so for the Hawks and what they're building. I think Okongwu would be a better fit alongside Trey Young, etc. So, we'll obviously talk more about these guys in the future, but um, my short answer to the question that I just gave a very long answer to would be, I'd be choosing between Killian Hayes and, and Onyeko Kongwu if it was up to me, and I do think that you know guys like Vassell and Okoro and Denny would be reasonable, and we'd be talking about them throughout the whole process. I don't think it'd be crazy if you thought one of those guys should be the pick um, in this hypothetical scenario, but um, I would much rather trade down especially if you're talking about tra- taking someone like Vassell or Koro or Denny, I would rather trade down and do that. Um, even then, I would probably rather trade down than even taking Hayes or Kongwu at three. Three is not a spot that I want to be if I'm the Hawks, probably, but we'll talk about that more later on. But hopefully that answers the question, talks about some uh, some important prospects that we, we'll be touching on in the near future. That'll wrap up today's podcast. A little bit shorter on the show. I do have a guest planned, actually, for uh, to record later on in the week. I never want to announce anything in terms of who's going to be on the show until it's actually been recorded just to be uh, mindful of the guests. And if something happens, I don't want to put them, put them in a bad spot. But I'm excited for that one if it um, were to happen. And I'll also respond in podcast form if we get any news on the NBA's restart, etc., etc. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please check out, please check us out on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Check me out on Twitter if you like to, at BT Roland. Um, also, please take a minute to check out our sponsor for today's podcast, Built Bar. Built Bars are fantastic. I genuinely believe that, so check that, check that out as well. And we'll see everybody next time.